Father, I myself am thirstier for you than I can ever remember being. Um, and I expect others are feeling the same. So Lord, please, would you come upon us by your Holy Spirit with living water through your word. I pray that you would sustain us with a living word this morning. Um, I pray you would lift us up, help us to do this day. Um, give us the strength we need to live for you. And please cover us by your grace and the mercy of your son who died for us. We ask in his mighty name. Amen. <laughs> All right, so I know that a lot of us have come here this morning really needing to hear from God, perhaps today more than ever. Um, I got an email this week from a member of the church that said, bad and negative and pessimistic news is raining down on us relentlessly from every possible direction. Hardly does one trial begin, then another one erupts right in its wake. There is so much pain and fury and violence, it seems bewildering to think that anger, prejudice, resentment and violence can overcome itself. The word love keeps coming to mind, but where is love in all of this? All right, <laughs> so well said, uh, I love that email. And it really struck a chord with me because I myself feel completely overwhelmed right now, just overwhelmed. Um, and I'm kind of glad to know that I'm not the only one. And I know God's word has a lot to speak to us in this situation and everything we're going through, but kind of the problem is it's almost too much. Um, it's hard to know where to start. Um, so this past week, our senior lector, Skip Cope, uh, came to us and offered to deliver 1 Corinthians 13 for us, um, kind of because it was one of his favorite passages and he has it memorized and he he said to Taylor and I, can I read this in service? Um, and uh, we said yes. And then as I studied the passage and thought about it, I, I got this feeling of a, a sense of solid ground coming under my feet in the midst of all this crisis. Um, and I got a sense that the Lord really wanted this to be the word that we come back to, that we start with today. Um, I came more and more certain that this message of God's love was his word for us right here and now in this present crisis, because this is where we begin rebuilding. So of course, we've talked a lot about love over the years. We know that it's the main thing, the heart of Christianity. We looked at First John a while back and chapters three and four that say God is love and that this is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. But here's what I wonder. I wonder if this chaotic season hasn't shaken loose our grasp on love, whether it hasn't made us forget the main thing and become confused. Um, so we wake up right now wondering um, what the point is, how we're supposed to feel and what God wants us to do next. And I sense the Lord wanting to remind all of us that love, love is the main thing. Love is the command. Love is the task. Love is the method. Love is the answer. And love is both the journey and the destination. So we're going to come back to what Skip read for us today in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's most excellent way, which of course is the way of Jesus. Now you might never have heard this passage read in church other than in a wedding. And it really is a beautiful passage to read in a wedding, it has a lot to say to couples approaching marriage, but that's really not what it's about. Uh, Paul did not write this passage for a wedding and he didn't write it 
so that he could give a theoretical treatise on the subject of love. Paul wrote this passage to a church, to the church in Corinth, and he wrote it for a reason, because the church in Corinth was really a pretty loveless, messed up, arrogant, and divided place. So I'm going to put um, 1 Corinthians 13 up on the screen for us. You can turn to it in your Bibles if you like. So here it is. <clears throat> so um, here's the first part that Paul talks about. And in this first section, verses 1, 2, 3, Paul argues that love is better than all the other things that the Corinthians admired. So the Corinthians had a bunch of things that they really looked up to that they liked. They were quite a spiritually minded bunch. Uh, they were, first of all, enthralled by spiritual gifts. So in this first paragraph, by speaking in tongues and then also by miracles and healing. They were also enthralled by wisdom, by people who could shed light on mysteries. That's the second paragraph. And then in the third paragraph, they were enthralled by what we might call asceticism or such enormous self-control of your own body that you could live in poverty or give your life as a martyr. So those were some of the things that the Corinthians really, really respected. For them, these were the high watermarks of spirituality. These were the signs that identified people who really had God's blessing and God's power. Spiritual gifts, gifts, wisdom, and asceticism or in other words we can think of it as in the first paragraph strength of spirit in the second paragraph strength of mind or in the third paragraph strength of body um and the things the corinthians were celebrating they're not they're not bad things they're actually really good things that's they're, they're some of the very best things and they're probably much better than the things that we're tempted to admire but here's what paul says about them he says compared to love these things are worthless and without love, they're nothing. So then when we think about our present day, wouldn't Paul make some of the same points about the things that Christians find enthralling right now? Wouldn't Paul say to Christians today, if I take a brave stand for truth and justice, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong. And if I sacrificially meet the needs of the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. And if I write and publish fine words of truth to change the world and millions of people read them, but I have not love, I am nothing. Wouldn't Paul say that same thing to us too? And that's not to diminish any of those good things, but it's to elevate the supremacy of this love. Love must be our motivation and our goal. So we need to know what love is like. And that's what Paul does next in this chapter. You see what love is like by what it does in difficult situations. So here are the next four verses of 1 Corinthians 13. And this is where I want to focus attention today. Love shows itself in many situations. I think Paul lists 14 of them here, and I've numbered them for you on this slide. Um, and Paul's language in this section is very beautiful. This part of the Bible is widely celebrated. But I think we need to recognize that if you think about the person who's receiving the love here in this passage, the person who's being loved, then Paul paints that person in a very unflattering light here. So think about it. Love would only need to be patient if the person being loved was irritating and tiresome. 
Love would only need to be kind if the person who was being loved was needy or unlovely or, or maybe a bit useless. Love would only be tempted to envy if it felt that it was much worse than the other person. And it would only be tempted to boast if it felt that it was much better and so on and so on down the list. Every situation that love finds itself in here is a negative situation. So Paul's not talking about loving beautiful, praiseworthy, interesting people. He's talking about loving difficult, stubborn, irritating people. People who make you angry, who offend you, who get on your nerves, people who are really hard to love. That's kind of the whole point of this passage. And Paul's point is that love doesn't quit when people are unlovely. It's actually quite the reverse. That's when real love gets going. When it meets someone who's pompous and bigoted and stubborn and arrogant, and it treats that person with patience and kindness and humility and respect. That's when we know that we're looking at real love, real agape love. And then if we look down to the bottom of Paul's list here, we also find that love never gives up on people, even the worst people. It doesn't write them off as beyond help or beyond saving. Paul says at the end that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So love says, in the power of God, there may yet be a better day for you. And love won't give up hoping for that day. So is this the kind of love that we need right now where we are? Yes, absolutely it is. And is this the kind of love that we'll find in the church? We surely hope so, but not necessarily. We're not likely to find this kind of love outside of the church, but I think it's all too rare inside the church too. And that was part of Paul's point in writing this to the Corinthians. Because if you look at it, um, all the things that he says that love is not, and you look at the rest of First Corinthians, you find him talking to the Corinthians and challenging them about these very things. And if you look at all the things Paul says here, love is, and you read the rest of First Corinthians, he's challenging them on these very things. Paul wasn't choosing this list out of nowhere. He was choosing this list because it applied to the church that he was writing to. So then will we find love in our church? Because love is what we need now more than anything. And we need it more than ever. We need it in our homes when we've been putting up with our families and their irritating habits for 92 days of quarantine. We need it in our streets for the protesters and for the police. And we need it for our governments and our church leaders as they continue to make the hardest decisions of their lives and continue to make most of them poorly. The thing that will win this day and the only thing that can win it is love. And we've been taught love by Jesus on the cross and by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We just need to remember the lesson. So if you feel spiritually, mentally or emotionally adrift right now, then let this be the solid ground that your feet find to stand on. Let your feet stand on love. Love is the thing we know we can count on to be doing the right thing and pointing ourselves in the right direction. And if you wonder what on earth should I be doing today with this day, then find somebody near you you can love. 
So let's wrap up the chapter very briefly. Paul finishes with the point that love is eternal. It's part of our present reality that's going to last forever. One of the very few things that will. I can really think of only six things that are going to last forever that we have now. Six things that we'll still have in eternity. Our relationship with God, God's word, which stands forever, our souls and the souls of the people around us, faith, hope and love. Paul says that prophecy will pass away and tongues will cease and knowledge will pass away. And let's add to his list that this nation will also pass away. Its government, its flag, its laws, its justice system, everything. The internet will pass away. Twitter, Instagram, and all the hatred found therein. Zoom will be no more. Your bank account will pass away. All your possessions, everything you've built will all pass away. Your very body is going to give up one day and give in to its mortality whether that happens sooner or later. And until the resurrection, you will be left with your relationship with God, God's word, your soul, faith, hope, and love. And that's not to say we shouldn't do anything about temporary things or stand up to fight temporary battles or give our lives to solve temporary problems. We should and we will. But it is to say that there's absolutely no point winning a temporary battle if it causes us to lose sight of the things that are eternal. That's surely Paul's point here at the end of this chapter. Love is going to last forever, along with faith and hope. But the greatest of these is love. So then love isn't just the method by which good comes into the world. It's also the very best good that comes. And it's a good, a treasure that outlasts the world itself. So it's better to do nothing else than hang on to love than to do anything at all without love. So we're going to move into our breakout groups. And today's questions for breakout time are very simple. Who is God calling me to love right now? And are there any relationships in my life where I have temporarily forgotten love?